when you listen to the show, if we are wrong or we don't know what we're talking about, that is perfectly fine. And you can correct us anywhere you want on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook. You can find us at Not A Historian Podcast or at Not Historians. That's fine because we just jump on the internet, go to the library, talk to people, watch some interviews, and do the basic research we can just to show that two average Joes can do it. Exactly. We're not historians. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, maybe he walked around with jelly beans. That's what it is. Maybe he walked around with jelly I think beans so. I think he, and he was at the crime scene and stuff and be like, nah, see, nah, I got these jelly beans, see, nah. We're just two dudes that came up with an idea and we said we should know more about the everyday world around us, like why are beer bottles the shape they are. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the, anyone, anyone, the Great Depression. Get ready to take notes, boys and girls. It's another edition of the Not Historians Podcast, with your hosts, Desmond Dunn and Shalom Agulavi. Across 110th Street. Woman's trying to try to catch a trippy little tree. There we go. That's what it is. You're right. Across 110th Street. Think fire along the streets. Man. And we're into the show, son. Ah, yes. It is the volume long, man. I'm telling you, with another iteration of the Not Historians podcast, it is your host, Shalom Agalaba. And Jasmine Dunn. And today, we're going to talk to you about the man. He's not so much of a myth, but he is most certainly a legend. Oh. <laughs> you know who we're talking about? I think I have an idea. You have an idea? Is it, is it Mr. Bumpy? It is Mr. Ellsworth, Raymond Johnson, or excuse me, Bumpy if you're a friend, Johnson himself. Uh, you are correct. Like, you know. Uh, I refer to him as a Shogun of Harlem. Shogun of Harlem. Shogun. I think I think that uh, I think that that's appropriate because like Shogun. I think Wu I think Wu Tang would really enjoy that. I agree. I agree. Big friends here. Nice story. So I mean, just to open the show, we we're talking about this season. We've talked about prohibition and depression era gangsters, right? Bumpy Johnson also fits into that. Bumpy Johnson is a is a is a prolific gangster. He he unified an area. Now he's not big, widely known because he didn't stretch out anywhere other than Harlem. Which is strange to me. I think he is our name. I think people know the name Bumpy Johnson. When you hear Bumpy Johnson, you know he's a gangster. Well, I mean, you certainly know him in New York. But the thing that gets me is he ties into the show because we have a theme that's popped up from time to time. Because I think this is something that I didn't think I'd learn about when we started the season. Yeah. The justice system. Yeah. And the systematic racism. Oh, man. The systemic racism is insane. Because the KKK pops up in more of these shows than I would think. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and another thing, and this is kind of something I was going to point out and towards maybe somewhere in the middle of the show, but I, I think it's okay to bring it out now. We're in an era, we're talking about an era, you know, black people existed in this era. I mean, oh, really? I, exactly. But you don't hear a lot about the black gangsters of the time. And a lot of that is because, well... They were smooth. I mean, well, no, most, certainly, just, just... Well, most certainly, but some of them weren't looking for things like, like like fame, notoriety like this. But they also weren't looking for flamboyance or any of that. And on top of that, the le- the lists were separate. You know, you, you, you had that sense. segregation and whatnot. And, and it was... Bumpy actually kind of 
help mitigate that, help kind of merge the two worlds? I, I would say so, you know, because he, he through his, you know, I, I want to know what was going through his mind. I wish I could have interviewed him, you know, or something before he passed to kind of find out what was going through his mind because it was a time frame. I don't know about you, but I've often been told by my parents, and this is going to take a, a little bit of a segment. When I was younger, I was told by my parents that, you know, uh, you have to be careful what you say and what you do because what you do as a black man in society is going to be taken differently than it would be from some of your white counterparts. Or, no, excuse me, not white, white counterparts. You know? I'm, 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 this is probably one of the blue rule, but no. When I was younger, what your parents told me was, why should I'm not paying his parking tickets? <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Okay, okay, fair story. But, but like, no, no, so so the thing is, the thing to remember is the civil rights movement took into, came into play shortly after Prohibition era started, or ended, rather. Right, well, the well, the modern era of civil rights movement, because, of course, right. we got going back for days. In fact, right. there's a show that I'm dying to do. We'll get to it. I don't want to take up time here. But if any listeners are out there wondering about the civil rights movement, and especially after you hear about Bumpy, because... In a way, it's going to be a weird thing for me. I don't know the whole story. Shalom did all the research on this. He's going to be our lead. But it really is through things of being seen as equals, even in crime and things like that, yes. that make people view as equals. I mean, that, right. that not just criminality-wise, but overall as a person, which sounds weird to me, but it's true. You're, you're right. I mean, it's it's um, it's an escapism. So right? you're... An equality situation. So if you go check it out, I mean, there were black pirates back in the day. Yep. And same thing. That's That was how they, a lot of them got the freedom down there. That's how things started. Because they're like, hey, he sells and robs as good as us. And same thing. Bumpy does the same thing. Right. But uh, one of the characters I want to get into, we talked about this. I think this is actually the first character pitch I made. As in one person in the show. Do you know who it is? No. Marcus Garvey. Oh, we yeah. I hop at like 3 a.m. last... Uh, Oh man! Like April, and I was like, "Have you heard about this dude?" Yeah. Uh, we'll get to him. He's—I don't think he's a bumpy level character, but he is interesting as hell. So, Bumpy Johnson. Let yeah. me let me let me learn of Mr. Johnson. So let me ask you: What do you know about Bumpy? Nothing. I knew the name. I knew he's from Harlem. I knew he's a gangster. I didn't even know he's from the era that we were covering, or I would have been like, "Hey, we should do Bumpy." So he he actually intertwines in the era that we were discussing. All right. He he comes in. Before prohibition is over, and leads into long the after prohibition is gone. Yeah, all right. So, so, so what's Bumpy's background? What's his story? So, I mean, you said that Bumpy, you knew Bumpy was from Harlem, but you know, honestly, Bumpy is actually he was born in Charleston, South Carolina, October thirty first, nineteen oh five. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna guess that's not good. That he was born there, or that no, 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 that's not a good place in time. Well, you know, in nineteen oh five, no, it wasn't a good place to be uh, born for for him. Because I mean, I don't know anything about uh, South Carolina now. Um, I know I know a few things about South Carolina now. I also know about South Carolina then. It kind of goes back to what I was telling you earlier. You know, my parents kind of gave me a... Well, my dad especially said... So what you're saying is it's not a, it's not a place you want to be after dark. And you know what? And that's actually the words that I was I was told some, yeah. in, some, in some ways. Well, you know what's funny is like... Uh, not to get sidetracked completely here. But growing up, do you remember those... The, the towns, little country towns we have? Yeah. Uh, especially going out. I'm, I don't want to say where, but there's a certain part of Texas... Right. Not ours, surprisingly, that you drive to. And there are signs that say, like, uh, people of color shouldn't be here past a certain past time. Dark, yeah. yeah. Don't let the sun set on you. Somewhere. Yeah. Now, now, I've be, seen that sign. To be honest, I haven't seen those signs. but I've seen that one. I, you know, that I, one was up to, like, the 90s, I think. And somebody put one up. I don't know. I'm not... I don't know if the city did it or who did it, but it was allowed to be up. 
and that's awful. And I was like, I'll get gas somewhere else, man. I mean, exactly. And I, but I mean, that's the thing. It's the it's the times. You know, I feel like with and I'll, and I'll open this with this statement. I know that on this show we try to cover we try to cover history. Uh, we don't try to stay with current events or anything like that. Right, right. Wrong. But I think that this is relevant to say. I feel that with education, communication, and conversation, almost any problem can be solved. No, I think you're right. I, mean, I don't think that's a topical thing. I mean, we're just generally stating, if you have problems, try that. Yeah. So, Bumpy. Right. Gained, I mean, I've always wondered, I've heard a lot about Bumpy. I always wondered, how did he get his nickname? Where did it come from? Was he clumsy? You know what, man? So, the, the nickname Bumpy came because he had a bump on the back of his head. Like, you know how you have this huge knot sometimes? Wait a minute. Like, Bumpy had a peanut head? Bumpy had a peanut head. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't help it. No, yeah. I, I mean, we have good friends. I mean, you're about to yeah. see. You're about how to many? See. How many people do you know that we call peanut? Quite a few. Yeah. Some people more than others. We, I mean, some people. No, hold on. This, this that needs context. What? They're, they're not. They're not people we just call peanut just to call them peanut. No, because they head. That's what I'm saying. That we call them peanut either because of their size. We got one friend that's small. Right. So he's peanut, and we got other friends that just got peanut heads. So you always get the name peanut. So Bumpy had a peanut head, not a shark yeah, head. Yeah, a peanut head, not a shark head. All right. And, and that's where he got his nickname. Now, when Bumpy was 10 years old, because we kind of talked about how we opened the show about how there was still systemic racism at yeah. this point in time. I'll believe it. And they were in South Carolina. You know, okay. Well, when Bumpy was 10 years old, his brother was accused of killing a white man. And I think this is where Bumpy developed his bad temper and his... his uh, Disdain for white people. Now, I have a question. Uh, was his brother, like, in prison for this or just accused of it? So, or? I'm getting there. Good okay. question. His parents... Okay, so his parents, knowing that his, their son would not get a fair trial, okay. mortgaged their house and got money together to send his son or their son up north with some relatives. So, they got him the hell out of the area because they knew he wouldn't get a fair trial. And right. He, and he was accused. And I assume that's because of lynch mobs and things, not because of Jesus. No, that's exactly because okay. of lynch mobs. Exactly because of lynch mobs. Um, so they sent, him, they sent him up north with some family to get out of the area. And like I said, I think this is where Bumpy developed his bad temper and his disdain for white people. Um, now, I don't condone being, being any kind of racism on either side. Right. Um, but I do think that to understand people... You you gotta you gotta meet them where they're at. You've got this man who his brother's being accused of something he may or may not have done, probably didn't do, and it's leading to his brother being sent away because for fear of his life. Right, because they're gonna kill him either way. Like it's not so much fear of like a fair trial. I mean, you don't know. You can't get in their mindset. I can't get in their mindset. Right. We're not there. So maybe he did do it. They sent him away. Maybe he didn't do it. But the point is, they weren't afraid of him getting convicted. They were afraid of him getting killed before he could even get a fair trial. Exactly. Well, and not the fact that, he, and they knew he wouldn't get a fair trial. Right, but I'm just saying, even if he could have, they would have sent him away because right. there was a chance that the mob was going to get up there. We got straight fruit hanging from the trees. I got you. Exactly. Exactly. So, Bumpy, you know, he had a dislike for white people. I, I think that that's important to, to kind of to underline. Yeah, because I mean, we don't try to sugarcoat anybody's Well, because it didn't stay that way. And, All right. and this is why I think it's important to underline it now, which also kind of goes back to my point about sure. conversation, communication, and and education can change things. So Bumpy's there. He gets does he get sent away? Well, or his so brother gets sent away, right? His brother gets sent away. All right, but you know Bumpy 
you know, he had a short temper, and again, we talked about his dislike at the time, and he eventually was sent to live with his older sister, Mabel, in Harlem, New York, in, in 19, 1919. So that's why you probably know him as, when you mentioned earlier know, about him being from Harlem. And that's, that's like why. a really good time period. I mean, not for not for that, I'm just saying, like 14. He's like 14, 15. Right. So that's a really good like age for him to get an impression and his worldview is just being independence being shaped. I mean, in modern sense, yeah. I don't know if that was for kids back in the day. But I know for us, like, up until that point, you kind of do what you're told kind of the thing. A little right. rebellion or whatever. But, you know, you get into high school, you get more freedom. Everyone else has got more freedom and that just mm-hmm. creates. So I don't know. Yeah, and I think, you, I think a lot of that was going on. But one of the things that was kind of paramount at the time for Bumpy was that he was living with his older sister. And... This is kind of where he got his introduction to organized crime. Uh, one thing he did was he started out like most of the other gangsters we covered this season. He started out with a legit job trying to earn cash to make it to make ends meet. He he started working as a news store selling newspapers. He was a newsie. He was a newsie. Oh, awesome! And he was he was a shop boy. He was sweeping floors. Respectable. I mean, incredibly respectable. But later, that escalated to playing pool and shooting dice for money. I mean, I know a couple of people in the room right now who've shot dice for money and also uh, played pool racket for money. But also swept floors for also money. Also swept floors. Yeah, legit. Both of us also. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not. I mean, yes. So I understand. I understand. His, I understand what's going on right now for Mr. Jonathan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's trying to earn money. But so, man, so it was in this work that he that Bumpy met Matt or Nat Pettigrew. And Bub Hewitt. Now, Bub actually went on to work with Bumpy to develop an, another uh, type of business enterprise that he was successful at later on. It was called the Protection Racket. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know the one where local stores or local store owners pay money to protect them from organized crime. Right, right. No, yeah, I got you. They, so he he was going around. He's like, should be a Horrible shame if something happened to your bodega. Exactly. Well, what's going to happen to my bodega? <laughs> Set it up in flames. You know, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. But now, smashing it. Now, what goes with this? What, what would you expect that goes with this type of, of enterprise that you have? Drugs. Okay. Uh, Money and drugs. That's that's all I ever think of. So not, 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 not me. I'm saying whenever people are like, oh, well, they, they're over there shooting dice, yeah. playing cards and shooting dice. I told them once. I told them twice. Like... Then I started thinking, yo, if they're doing drugs, then they're making money. Wow. No, I was thinking jail. Jail, jail. comes from this. Yeah. Wow. So, and not unlike the pattern of any uh, any other gangsters before him, Bumpy spent a lot of time in and out of jail for petty crimes he was involved in. But his big break into the industry came at age 32. So we've already yeah. talked about, like, yeah, I know. So he stayed mid-level for, like... A smooth almost 20 years. Almost yeah. 20 years, right? He's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with just being a hoodlum. Right, in and out of jail. And But at the age 32, he began working with the queen of numbers herself, Stephanie St. Leclair. Or that Saint sounds Claire. like a Batman bill. Stephanie St. Clair. Both parts. The queen of numbers and Stephanie St. Clair. Dude, I, I love the queen of numbers. Like, I mean, I think that's... I so understand, awesome. but I'm saying those are Batman villains. Like, you could write that story right now and just use the names as they are. Yeah, well, now the queen of numbers could also be a member of the Matrix. You know, like maybe maybe somebody related, that's true. That's true. Related to the architect. Yeah, or you know, the Merovingian. I could see that. That, that would be that would that's be legit. True. No, but I saw it as a Because they're all victims of causality. That, yeah, but I just see like the I just see her as a Batman villain that uses like really complex math to like accomplish her like a Silver Age villain. That would be the most ridiculous but also intelligent use exactly. of a criminal gangster, you know what I mean? Like a, a Batman villain. Right. 
Yeah. Huh. So Bumpy. Bumpy, yeah, Bumpy so, works for the Queen. Yeah, so Bumpy was work was hired by Her Majesty as protection against none other than Dutch Schultz. Oh, so we're tying it all together. Hashtag it's all connected. It's all connected. Now, Dutch Schultz again is another gangster we covered this season. And the end of Prohibition bought brought the need for bootleggers like Dutch Schultz to find new ways to make money. And because never mind that go legit and get a good job shit. Invest so, your money in the subways. I mean, you could have done that. Invest your money in the subways. If you're out there right now, you're looking to get drafted, look, looking looking to resign, buy subways. Mm. Um, he, so he, he works there in the, as a protector. So he's a bodyguard, or he's running protection, or what's her game? Well, I don't so, so Schultz is trying to move in on a numbers game in Harlem. Okay, so it is her game, and so yeah, she is buying him as like protection against Schultz moving in our territory. Right, because right. as you could have guessed it, you know. They weren't interested in buying, you know, Bumpy and Stephanie weren't interested in buying protection from Schultz. And a violent war erupted from there. I mean, it was pretty, pretty brutal. You know, death on both sides, but primarily on Bumpy and, and St. Clair's side. Wow. And it was, you know, they, they kind of, they eventually got the upper hand to an extent. How do you get the upper hand in a, in a gang war? I'm it's glad you asked. That's a very good question. Okay. In 1935, the violence erupted. Or the violence from Bumpy and St. Clair became desperate. You know, they needed to do something dramatic in order to change the tide of what... So they called up Charlie Bercher and rented a plane to drop dynamite. That would have been the perfect idea. No. I mean, but although, you know, major parts of Harlem would have been destroyed. Good point, good point. Uh, so they didn't do that. What they did was they started bombing storefronts that Schultz was supposed to be protecting. And, it, I mean, that alone is kind of a, oh yeah, you're protecting this store right here? Dynamite through the windshield. Or oh, through, so they, they the did just get a plane out. Bam! Yeah, they took the plane out. So they hit, smart. It, from, smart. Smart hit it from level streets. I mean, very smart. But you know they're doing stuff. They're firebombing stuff. They're they're shooting shooting. They're up shooting firebombs. Use a Tommy gun motion. They said they're firebombing. I, I was I was in transition. I, like I was in transition. I got they're, it. They're firebombing things and then you know shooting up the building. Also, oh, you heard it here first. Shlom is in transition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, so, so, so wait a minute. Yeah, Dutch Schultz and them have this war going on. Oh, yeah, a brutal, bloody war. Right. Um, now, I assume this is engulfing mostly Harlem. Yeah. All right, they're not taking it to him. They're keeping him out, and he's kind of just holding the line. Yeah, well, I mean, he's doing more than holding the line, but yes. Like, he's coming in and he wants to take over. No, no, I'm saying, he's, he, he, as far as he got when they had to start hitting back this hard. Yeah. Are they just holding the line or is he still moving in? He's still moving in. Oh, so, so, I mean, Schultz, but you know, Schultz has the backing of the syndicate at this point in time. Right. Yeah. No, of course. I mean, that's that's what Schultz has. And and so it's really hard to, I mean, so that almost means he has infinite money, infinite power. Well, he's got resources. He has the rest of the city. Exactly. That he can just bring in to, to kind of just run a wreck shop. Um, but but here's like I said earlier. This is the point in time where Saint Clair and Bumpy kind of start saying, "Look, we need to start. We we can't win a numbers game against these folks. Or, you know, these folks being shown." Ironic, being that she's the queen of them. Exactly. So this is how she understands how to manipulate numbers. Bad, see, this is what I'm telling you, Batman villain, architect of the Matrix. I'm all right. What she does is, you know, they come together and they decide to one start firebombing his his places that he's offered protection for. So what does that do? He loses credibility. Right. right. He That's also smart. loses income from right, these places. Right. And 
it gives an opportunity for them to come in and say, hey, you know what? I know you were being protected by this, but where's your protection at? We can offer you protection. And, you know, maybe flip a couple of people that direction or with that, with that methodology. Another thing they would do is they would tip off, they, they would get notification about some things that, some illegal doings that he was doing in Harlem, he being Schultz, and they would tip off the corrupt police. So it's also point, a good point to mention at this point in time, kind of an off, offside or sidebar segment. The police, some of the police were corrupt at this point. In no. Time. I, I know, I know. But they were corrupt in the sense that they already were working for Schultz. Right, no, we covered that. That's why I was being surprised. Not that I believe cops are corrupt, because no. I believe we covered many times this season that, yeah. that you can buy, like, a whole city if you want. You could, and this was no different. However, if you if you were giving information, direct information to the police, and it's saying, hey, this is what's happening, this is who's responsible, you can't ignore that for long. And although Schultz was never really was never really apprehended for any of this, he his people were taken. Some of his key generals were apprehended in this in this regard. So they started playing chess. Yep, start playing chess. Take out some of the knights and bishops. Exactly. Ah, smart. Exactly. And I mean, since we're talking, since we're talking chess, you know, one of the next, the next chess moves that was played was not only the capture of the queen, but the, but the knockdown of the king. Mm. So since we covered Schultz earlier in the season, you know that he was taken out by a hit ordered by. Uh, lucky, the lucky one himself, Lucky Luciano. That's right, because he wanted to take over his stuff. Well, no, not so much. Lucky Luciano wanted. Lucky Luciano had him knocked off because uh, he was he was under investigation by Tom. Uh, I can't remember his name. No, no, no. no I'm saying like that. That was why. But he was going to take over all this stuff. But I know one of the things that Lucky wasn't interested in was bloodshed. So I imagine that works well for your guys. Yeah. And, and so, but like, let's kind of, let's kind of go back to that. Lucky, the reason that hit happened is because um, right. Well, Schultz couldn't. Schultz, Schultz could not keep his personal life out of business. Right. We talked about. I mean, yeah. in, in the show, that's what happened. You know, yeah. he gets caught up and then caught yeah. up. Yeah, exactly. And he wants to take out a district attorney, or no, uh, yeah, like a district attorney. Harvey Dent was his name. Yeah, it was Harvey Dent. Yeah. And um, and I've been a district attorney. I think it was um, a district. Yeah, it was a district attorney. And he wanted to take him out. A U.S. attorney is what it was. Thomas something. I can't remember his last name. Rusty Shackleford. Um, definitely not. And it also wasn't Lance Uppercut. But the, he wanted to take him out. And the syndicates voted no. Well, he said, he said yeah. fuck that noise. I'm going to do it anyway. And so they just took him out. Now, Lucky Luciano, interested in making money and not more war, met with Bumpy and the Queen. At this point in time, in in the process, the queen was ready to kind of get out of the game. She wanted to retire, I guess, so to speak. Wanted to go legit. She had enough money, and she wasn't really looking to continue in that in that enterprise. Dang. So what she did was she handed control of her numbers game, the complete operation, to Bumpy. Hmm. Wonder what that conversation was like. <laughs> like I'm leaving. Here's the numbers. Bye. So ask me when we talk to fast about fast facts, and I'll tell you what I imagine. Oh, okay, that, okay. The conversation would be like. So Bumpy's Bumpy's in charge now of Harlem. Is yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that's uh-huh. exactly what it's like. But from that moment, from that moment on, Bumpy was able to accomplish something that was unheard of at the time. He was a black man and a mob boss. Part of the deal that Bumpy struck with Luciano 
was for the numbers business to stay independent from the mob, the mob-run businesses, as long as he would participate in the mob's central library. Oh, so he's actually part of the, okay, so he's part of the syndicate or the mob at that time. Yeah, he absolutely is. You know, he, that is pretty... You see what I'm saying? At this point in time, you don't see that. Sorry, car alarm was in the background, so we were pausing for that. But it's, it's okay. Oh, I hope we're cutting this from the show. No, nah, probably not. Oh, okay. But so anyway, so he's actually involved now with Luciano, like they're partners. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, they're all they're, they're, they're associates of some sort. So Luciano's interest, you know, we talked earlier was, and most of the gangsters at this point, they wanted to reach vast regions. Bumpy was focused solely on expanding business in Harlem. He he wanted to have a complete control over Harlem, and control he did. You know, like I stated, that part of the business, he, part of the uh, agreement that he run, or he, he struck with them, with uh, Luciano was to be. He was going to pay tribute, just like anybody would pay tribute right. to the mob. Okay, you got to pay your money. Um, he would be part of their central lottery pool. So the the numbers game, for those of you who aren't familiar with what the numbers game means, it's it's kind of a, like you would, you would come in and you would bet on three numbers. What three numbers would pop up? Kind of like the lottery we have. It's a lottery. Yeah. It's just an illegal lottery. It's an illegal lottery is what it is. And no Powerballs, though. Yeah, no, definitely no Powerball. But more often than not, people were not winning money in this lottery. But, you know, which is another concept we can discuss another day about the lottery. How numbers work. How to start your own numbers racket. We're definitely not teaching kids how to start their own number racket. I don't think we're teaching kids in general. I think all of our listeners are probably over the age of uh, 25. We're definitely not teaching young, young adults and older adults how to uh, organize crime. No, they, they can Google. They have credit cards and stuff that they can use to buy books on this. I thought you were about to say or to buy, sign up to buy numbers. <laughs> or to sign up for our Patreon and help support the show. Where we can start our own racket of a sort, which is t-shirts. We really want to put t-shirts. It's a racket. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of a racket. <laughs> Not for us. It's a racket. That's why we don't have them. It's a racket. So Bumpy's uh, just doing the do that he's set up. He's well connected now. That's that's a little weird. What? Um, then he's well connected? I mean, well, no, no, no. Not the, just the whole leading up to that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do that. But anyway, Bumpy continued to earn street cred. But anyway, Bumpy continued to earn street cred and moved into the drug game. So he did expand that business. He did expand the criminal enterprise. Why Why wouldn't he? <sighs> now, he started moving narcotics around Harlem and had earned the title of, uh, the official title of Mob Boss. That's an official title. It's on his card. Uh, I would put it on my card. I didn't know the mob was the actual title that you achieved. You know, if the mob is listening and they want to hire me to, hold on, let's look. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, uh, you know, I can help, help kind of Straighten out some some numbers rackets that they got going on nowadays. But anyway, if if they have them going on, hey man, I'm, that's that's the guy you want, the guy that doesn't even know if they exist. Say man, I was putting it out there as allegedly. I don't want allegedly. If they're alleged numbers, I'd be really allegedly good at allegedly right. You, you know what? I'm not trying to end up on a milk carton somewhere. Have you seen me? <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, with this title came power. Bumpy had reached the status where he could actually say. No illegal action could take place in Harlem without his approval. Mm. So, I mean, can you... I, I'm talking about Italians coming in and saying they want... Like, working for the mob. Saying that they want to start their own racket. They're like, yeah, we're going to move... Try to jaywalk across the street and just breaks their legs. Nothing illegal happens. So, I think that's a bit extreme. But I'm talking about, like, more, say, the uh, 
the like somebody wants to move in and try to run their own numbers racket. They don't get to do anything. Somebody runs in and wants to sell heroin. I, I don't. Yeah, I was they saying, don't get to do anything. I, I can see the drugs. I don't think the numbers thing after uh, Dutch's little forte. I don't think anyone's like, oh, I want to go up against that. No, get taken out by your own side, I mean, and then, and then your war is ended, and the guy not only wins, he gets brought in. To, I guess if there was a seat at the table, which yeah. there was when Dutch left, and Nucky took the seat, technically. Take your seat at the table. I'm not saying you have the same size role or anything like that, but a seat just opened up, and now he's in it. May not be getting the same meal, but, you know, it's kind of weird. Anyway. I mean, and I think it's important to kind of mention that, you know, he, at this point, he's moving into, he's selling heroin and other hard drugs. All right, well, that, but, was the, that was the the drug of the day. Yeah, it was, but no one was in, no one was able to enter the game in Harlem without his approval. And then when I opened the show, I said that I feel like he's the shogun of Harlem. I feel like that title fits. No illegal operation could happen in the city of Harlem without his approval. I just thought he had a little rubber stamp. Like his name or something on it. Damn. Like you had to bring your drugs or you let everybody just like approve. stamp, stamp, stamp. I mean, he maybe did. You know, he maybe did. But I think more, more of what I'm saying is nothing illegal. And I'm going to go ahead and point this out and kind of you know, uh, underline this point again. Nothing illegal was happening in this city without Buck. Well, in that part of the city, Harlem. Oh, okay. In, in Harlem without his approval. Now, I, I just feel like that's that's paramount right there. That's something that we need to focus on is we're, we're talking about a black man fighting through this this period of time where the the laws of equality aren't really there. They aren't really defined. Yeah, but in a way, you kind of see that because I, my question is this: Would he be allowed to step out of Harlem? So I feel like if he wanted to expand outside of Harlem, yeah, he could have. That's my question: Is like because in a way, I kind of feel like the Italian way of thinking at the time in the mob, like because they're the mob, the, the Irish Italians, all these guys are running the mob, the, the Jewish mob, the Italian mob, the Irish mob, the syndicate, all these guys together. Yeah. They're probably like, leave them alone. Like, they want their money. But Mumpy's already got it. They can get money from him and they don't have to interact with them. And it's a little bit of racism. It's, but I mean, it's I, I for the time. It is what it is. But it makes me wonder would they let a black man expand out of there and have control of white neighborhoods? Uh, and I think that's a fair, that's a fair I'm question. just saying, I'm, I'm not expecting you to know the answer. I'm just like, that's food for thought for me. Is like, I wonder. If we had a real historian, if you're listening, real historians, the question is, well, how much trouble do you think it would have been for for Bumpy's operation to have moved over? So I think part of the problem with that is a lot of it's subjective. Uh, I did come across some of that in my research for this for this topic, and I did include it in the show notes, or rather in the in the uh, the research items, because of that fact. I felt like it was it, the information I found was subjective. Okay. Uh, the, just to kind of uh, expand on that. Uh, people had said no. They don't feel like he would have been allowed to. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. Given what we've learned this season, I don't feel yeah. like that it would have been. I mean, they don't like when other people do it at all. And right. I think if you throw in the racism with that and the amount of power that he actually wielded, I think they would have been really hesitant because he could have brought all the Harlem to bear. I mean, like you talk about, oh, the mob, they can tie into each other, but like we saw with Dutch Schultz, if they want to. Right. If they're willing to back you. So let's say he makes a play into some small guy's territory. He's a smart guy. 
make moves into small territory. This little guy goes and runs up and they go, you know what? We would have to pour our resources into your pot. Right. Bumpy's going to bring all of our room down on you. Right. Which means he's going to quickly exhaust what you can do. Yeah, I, so I mean, the wager is there. If he's smart enough to move in like that, I think he could expand it. But I think at some point it would have become too big of a problem if he had tried to overstep his reach, which is what happens to a lot of gangsters. So in my point of view, he's actually smart for doing this play because a lot of guys end up dead because they try to overstep yeah. what their boundaries and what their reach and what their resources can do. But he doesn't tend to do that. No, and you're, and you're right, he doesn't. But what I think, the, so I think there was a little bit of... Um, do I think that Bumpy understood where he, and I hate to say it like this, understood his place in this? Well, not like that. I mean, we're not saying it like not that. Not like know your place, Kerr, or anything like well, that. Well, not even what I'm saying. Place. Yeah, because I'm saying, like, Al Capone had a place. Dutch Schultz right. had a place. Had a place. Got out of he it. also has a place. Look, he had a place. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, everyone had a role to fill. And a lot of times, even like uh, Big Jim Calisimo, they step out of their place. Yeah. Or they don't let, they don't expand their place fast enough for the people underneath him and see one of the funny things about Bumpy is like it doesn't seem that anyone was unhappy with the way he ran things no and let me talk about why they weren't Bumpy was you know how we talked about I don't remember what gangster it was this season we talked about who actually was the one who was able to beat his charges actually in fact it was Schultz mm. who was able to beat his charges by going to the city and uh, spending time with the leadership there like the mayor and whatnot yeah. and all those folks well Bumpy did a lot of the same stuff. He had community outreach stuff going on. In fact, this is the same man, which I'll give this fast fact now. This is the same man who, after after some time in prison, was returned home and welcomed with a parade. But see, this is what I was going to point out. I think that part of the reason why is, again, he's seen as an equal. He, I mean, think about this. You live in a time and an age that, as someone living in Harlem, probably as a black person, as anybody, as anyone that's in there, probably as a black. I, I don't. I'm not saying no, no. I'm saying like if imagine listeners yeah. out there. Oh, okay, gotcha. You know what I'm saying? You're living in Harlem. Yeah. Under that, and the best you can do in Harlem probably isn't too great. I mean, there are some good people that come out there. There's plenty of poets. Yeah. And the Harlem Renaissance is happening. Right. Like all these things are cool. I'm not. I'm not dissing that. What I'm saying is that your the, your roof, your ceiling is a lot lower. Your ground is a lot deeper. Is it on fire? Your ground floor. When you enter into the world outside of here, into the real world, is not level. Right. The ceiling that you can reach is a lot lower. And yet you have a man that you can see. Now, Bumpy was flashing. You know this. He's Frank Lewis he was flashing. But not only that, he's also rough shoulders, go toe-to-toe, can tell these Italian monsters, which you view as running the city. If you live there, everyone knows who runs what during Prohibition, after yep. Prohibition. During the Depression, when it's not really new. I mean, we're far away from where the Depression's really hurting, but it's still affecting. In this city, and you see a black man that can go toward the door and people call sir and, you know what I mean, can just, like, yeah. push a white dude out of a cab and be like, sorry, I'm taking this one. Right. And nobody, everyone's, like, happy to do it, moves out of his way. You're like, never would I dream. Right. I mean, he's born, when did you say? Uh, 1905, right? 1905, yeah. Which means, like... Possibly his grandparents could have been slaves. Right. Like, th- this, is, this is how far removed they are at the time right then, is that you get, still, you still got family members in 1930 that could have been born into slavery. And, and that's exactly what I was talking about earlier. In the, in the, actually, the opening of the show is, you're right, you know? I mean, the struggle is real. And 
we at this point in time in history we weren't so far removed from the the racist laws that were in place, right? The segregation that was in place. Oh no, like we yeah. covered before. I mean, yeah. like what grandfather did and stuff, and right. sold down the river. Like time period did not change. These laws don't go no. into effect. Voting rights stuff is still happening. I mean, you're talking. We're talking about depression. We're talking about afterwards with heroin, which goes from the beat age. So you're talking into the fifties, early sixties with hippies and stuff. Time here when both these around, civil yeah. rights have been out. Martin Luther King hasn't had a dream yet. Right. Nothing is happening. Kennedy's not trying to move things forward. We're trying to beat Nazis and rebuild the country. Exactly. And and he's over here just like already at the pinnacle of his field. Now his field is grinding. I mean, you know what? And at some point, and you give me you give me a lot of hell about this, but I feel like at some point in time we have to understand where these criminals are at, why they make the decision to be. No, I, I, you know what? Of all the ones we covered, I sympathize the most with Bumpy. Mm-hmm. Only because I feel like, and I'm not saying this because of his race or anything, I understand the position for what you come to. You, you're a country-ass kid, then you get thrown into the city. You, you, you know, you, may, you do what you have to do. You're going to shoot dice, you're going to play cool, you're going to do it. You work your way up, start at the ground floor, you take your job. Things are more attractive, take the road less traveled, end up where you end up. Right. I see the appeal in that. It's not. It's not an appeal that I think that many people choose. I would never choose it myself. But I, you know, I, I might if it's a. If you it's you made an offer earlier to get hired by the mob. You can't allegedly. So certainly allegedly. So I'm just saying, I can I can empathize him with a lot more. I mean, there's some other guys that tried their hand at being legit that did it. But the problem I always had with them is like they never took the circumstances that they were and tried something else. Like they could have just done had a gas station or garage and been fine. Whereas Bumpy, it doesn't seem like he really ever had an option for that. He was a kid from South Carolina that was running away from being lynched because his brother killed somebody. His parents trying to protect him. And he ends up in a big city with basically nothing to do. Right. Sweeping floors. And selling newspapers, yeah. And that's probably where, you know, he would have ended up there or menially Better, but never even risen to the level that like people like Kelly or uh, you know Nelson or anyone else could have just had handed for walking in the door and getting a job. His his options are limited because day and age. Exactly my point. And so I feel for him more than that because I'm like, did he do the right thing? No, I still hold to know he didn't. But if I had to empathize with somebody so far this season, I empathize with him. But I think that he he was able to transcend that. A bit by choosing this enterprise. I think, I think he did, but yeah. I think I think again it, it has to do with the being seen with equals like Jack Johnson, the black heavyweight champion. Yeah, you know the first one. He did that too, and he's not. I mean, he's a good guy, but he's not the greatest guy in the world. He's got his own issues. He's got his own demons, like anyone else. Yeah, like exactly. But at, the, but at the same time, but at the same time, he is. You know, he is the heavyweight champion in the world. Right. Can't nobody say, take that away from? Can't nobody do it? Same thing with Bumpy. The, that's really what matters. That's what makes people equal in my mind. When you when you have an idol that you see somebody and you're like, man, that dude is pioneering socially. Right. For me, it's always because they have something that nobody can take away from. And in this case, it is the same. Bumpy yeah, no, had, had reached this level of notoriety, this level of fame, this level of appreciation. He was going to be the boss of Harlem. He was. He was. The boss I'm saying, of no, I'm saying he was going to be the boss of Harlem. Wasn't 
Period. Yeah. He was going to do it, and he had his mindset. Tomorrow, the next day, whatever it was. And he got there. I mean, there's that drive, that determination. And, and I feel like, and I'm, and I'm incredibly passionate about this right now, so I apologize if I'm, if I'm overstating it. Oh, go ahead. But I feel that through his understanding of, one, the criminal enterprise, two, the, the way that his, his counterparts were working, and by his counterparts, I mean the mob was working, he was able to come in and he was able to transcend rather his his or his uh, viewpoints that he had with you know non African American or black uh, people. But you know what? I think it goes back to the thing I was talking about with this. I see why you're saying his viewpoint changed, but you know what else it is? Because they treated him as an equal. They tr- exactly, exactly that. They treated him as an equal, and you see it. Now there may have been Luciano may have had some. Right, of course he did. Of course he did. I assume, I assume that everything he did is based on money and power for him. Sure. But I assume that it, with, any, with any interaction he has, yeah. I assume there's no altruism in a gangster of that level, of that caliber. I agree. With the exception of uh, our man in the sands. So I think that there's no... That's what I'm saying. Is, You're right. I don't think there's any altruism in anything that a gangster at Meyer... Not Meyer, like... At Lucky Luciano's love. Think he does everything for power and money, right? I, I believe that's correct. Now the exception, of course, being Bugsy Siegel, where you know that was his friend, and they didn't go with the vote the first what two times, and then they finally they caved and said, "Yeah, but we we want to be able to know who does it." Right. So um, I just think that, but they treated him as equal. And see, here's the thing: no one treated him as an equal before. Right. How shitty is that? Yeah. You know, no one treated you as an equal, so you decide that you're going to make yourself an equal. And and I mean, it's... But not even... I don't even think he had that mindset. I'm just saying, how shitty... When you say how shitty, here's my question. How shitty is it that you, as a dude on the street, you can't get no respect right. for just being a person? That you have to become something like this? Like, even if you've been a janitor or a doorman, no one would have treated them as a human being equal to them. They yeah. would have still been better just by virtue of their skin tone. Whereas... Now, if he becomes a crime boss, now that's something respectable that we can all give a hot. So much better than, than the black man that changes the oil in my car. Like that's what that the mindset of that's what cracks me up. Like what? How do you? Yeah, I mean it's it's a bit it's it's a bit uh, well one depressing, but it's a bit off base. Yeah, I agree. the The thought process, the mentality there was completely different than it is nowadays. However, there are parallels still in existence. But, again, I think it was really important to cover Bumpy today because Bumpy did have an impact in the Prohibition and Depression era gangster. Right. Now, part of the reason why is because he did shape this view that he breaks the mold of the, the whole of the mob and the whole in New York City is strictly a game for Jewish, Italian, Irish immigrants. Right. And their descendants. It's like... Uh, you know, people that have close ties to those countries, and then no, 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 no. Everyone, all colors were involved in this. All backgrounds are involved yep. in it. Bumpy happens to be probably, I'd say, head of the list of that. Once sure. you start weeding out everyone that's not a major name, that like Luciano, like Schultz, mm-hmm. then yeah, you're definitely Meyer Lansky, uh, Oban. You know, yeah. Then you, you, go, this is where you end up. But at the same time, I think it's also important because. He doesn't really use violence like we see that. He's not a violent guy, I would say. He's a very angry man. Yeah, uh, so I, I feel like I feel like he could have been violent. He did he, want he, 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 he used violence to protect his. Right. 
but he was not somebody that ruled through violence. He's very much closer to what we saw with Bugsy, to what we saw with people like uh, Nucky. Yeah, the men was both feared and revered by those in But I feel like he's more of a black Nucky than anything else. Like, he, he was going to get his, and he had to fight a little bit. He had to go a little out on it. Yeah. But he didn't rule through that, and he didn't impress through it, and that wasn't his way of doing stuff. Like, people didn't call him sir because he cut him. Right. They, 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 he used the power and the money to have power and money. So uh, if you want to talk a little bit about that, because I know his story kind of peters out. Like, I don't want to say that in a mean way. but No, you're right. It does. Because he, the interesting thing is in 1952, he hit some bad luck. He was indicted for selling heroin, and he, he said he was framed. Um, but he was sentenced to 15 years on the rock, you know, Alcatraz. And he wasn't, he wasn't released until 1963, and when he was released, he continued his criminal enterprise. Yeah, so he, I mean, like, imagine that. The man went to jail for how long? Uh, that was, what is that, 13 years? 13 years. Yeah. He had such a hold on Harlem for so long. He came back, and they were like, sir, your seat is weak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's crazy, because it's unheard of. Right? No, I mean, even Al Capone, now, he had syphilis and whatnot, of course. Yeah. But he didn't even attempt to go back and get his throne. And no one this season has really gone into jail for an extended period of time in return and been like, I'm the gangster that I was. He came back and was like, so I learned some new things. Right. And, you know, he like we said, he was released from prison in, in 1963. Uh, he went in at 52, so that's really not 13 years. That's what, uh, 11 years. Still. I mean, but... Over a decade, you can come back and have that power. Yeah. I mean, Nucky didn't have that. Remember, Nucky went in right. and had it. He didn't. But in 19, uh, and, and sadly, in 1968, he was again under investigation for drug trafficking, but he died of congestive heart failure before he could be indicted. On uh, He died on July 7th, 1968. Well, I mean, you know what? He, he beat that last rap. Might not be the way he wanted to do it, but he did it. Right. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, so we're into fast facts now. Ooh. In the summer of 1952, now this is also, keep in mind, the year that he actually went to Alcatraz, um, he, Bumpy was a subject of discussion in Jet Magazine. Now Jet Magazine at the time was a weekly magazine aimed at African-American readers uh, who began, and they began profiling Bumpy and his lavish lifestyle. Now Jet Magazine, for those of you that don't know, is the tiny magazine that is in every barbershop. Yes. Um, that's the only that's the only explanation there is for it. Right. If you if you don't know where one is, you just go to wherever uh, people get their hair cut. And you should be able to find one. You should be able to find one. It'll probably be from 1994, somewhere in there. But yeah, they, agree. they exist. They do exist. Um, so uh, there'll be a full rundown of Martin episodes to come out this season. So yeah, well, you enjoy the yeah. Mm. Martin was on. I feel like Neil Long and Martin Lawrence were on the cover of Jet way more than was reasonable. So speaking of which, Martin Lawrence is actually being honored uh, by the VH1 Awards here pretty, pretty soon. I think for best performance running naked in the streets, um, that would be DMX. Can't even win at that, Martin. Damn, <laughs> damn, Jenna. All right. So anyway, there's some confirmed reports of, or some unconfirmed reports. I'm not. I'm, I'm making a, a stormy night over here. Is what is happening? A stormy night. Oh. oh, I just wanted the people to know that, like, I wasn't like doing anything 
evil. Oh, got you. We're uh, not mad scientists. We don't make... Uh, it, 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 for those that are interested, you can take your favorite lemon-lime soda. Not going to specify that. Yeah. And a black spice rum of your choice. And make a stormy night. Interesting. Learn everything you want. Well, I mean, you learn a lot of stuff every day. It's delicious. Show. Go ahead and say what you're going to say, and then you can try it while I talk. All right, sounds good. There are some unconfirmed reports that Bumpy helped free three inmates from uh, Alcatraz and then also helped them escape by boat to, um, to San Francisco Bay. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that the movie Alcatraz escaped from Alcatraz with my man Clint Eastwood is based on Bumpy Johnson or facilitated by Bumpy Johnson. I'm absolutely saying that. In fact, Johnson's character was depicted by an English, or by, uh, was character... He was played by an Englishman. Yeah, by an Englishman in the 1979 Clint Eastwood film. That's right. You are correct. It's a good movie. You should watch it. You know, I I haven't. I haven't watched it. It's amazing. Mm. So, also, to note, I, I had wondered, you know, why somebody would turn over their entire business to somebody. But, you know, love is a hell of a drug. Oh. And St. Clair and Bumpy were involved in a relationship at the time of his transition to power. Why do I feel like she was 60 now? I mean, she she had actually hit that point where she was like, you know what? I am ready to get out of here. Do you know how old she was? Because now I feel like she was old. I don't know how old she was. Like he did it to seduce her. I mean, well, no. So she hired him. Yeah, but I feel like he seduced her. He may have. I mean, he may have, but you know, sometimes some older ladies, you know, need hey, to. Everyone, I'm not judging a relationship. I'm just saying, I, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. There's nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. And, but, but you know, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up while you finish out your fast facts here. I mean, even, even if this, even if the bump and grind came from somebody who was you know a little older than you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she was 19 years old then. I mean, being 19 years older is not a, not a crime. I mean, it's... I don't know when this photo... I'm going to see when this photo was taken. I mean, I think it's more of an enhancement. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at the photo, and i got to be honest. So if this is towards the end there, I'm bumpy. Congratulations. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, really? Let me see uh, pictures. Well, I'm assuming she lived till 1969. This photo looks like it's from the latter half of her life. So I, 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 she's keeping it tight. You know what? Legs look nice. Face ain't gone. You got the hair. Stylish, stylish woman. So I would not. I would not. I don't know what. I don't know what Bumpy looks like. So I can't judge. So well, yeah, look him up. You can look at oh, the picture. She, on. She, yeah, check it out. She, she's a, she. She was mixed French, and African. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. Well, I mean, Saint Clair kind of gave it away. Well, but you know, I don't know. You don't know this because. You're African. No, I'm no, American citizen. No, what I mean is you're you're African of like you say yes. You know, uh, American African names, non-Agalaba names, <laughs> are usually not of choice. People are gonna and they me. did they didn't keep them because they descended from French people. People are gonna look me up on Facebook and be like, "We hate you." <laughs> well, I'm, no, I'm just saying like the last name is not like uh, most you know most black people with like the name. O'Bannon aren't uh, yeah. exactly Irish. I, mean, I get it. Okay, fine. Uh, continue with fastbacks. 
his final moments were spent in Harlem's Whale, uh, Whale's Restaurant, which was one of his favorite restaurants. And the waitress had just brought him his one of his favorite meals, which is chicken legs, hominy grits, and coffee. I don't like hominy grits. I don't like grits at all. Just freaking uh, nasty. We're going to do a story on this one. On grits? No, on this woman. I love grits. And I hate grits. Can't stand hominy. And I feel like both are disgusting. No, I just... Can I read it? I'm, now that I'm in the Wikipedia, can I read a section of Miss Sinclair's deal? Because I, I, this is why we have to do a story on her sometime. Does it have anything to do with grits? It has a cook. Then no. Okay. No, go ahead. In Harlem, because she moved to Harlem, because she learned English, because she was she actually lived in France. She was 23. In Harlem, she fell in love with a small-time crook, Duke, who tried, who soon tried to prostitute her. Enraged, she planted a fork in his eye and promptly left New York on a bus. The following night, the bus was stopped by the Ku Klux Klan. Several black passengers were hung or burnt alive. It says hangs because they know the proper word. <laughs> Very good. In front of her. They burned and hung, hanged these people in front of her. Hung, hanged, or just hanged, hanged? They hanged her. Okay. They hanged them. They burned them alive in front of her. She was repeatedly raped. Following the following the incident, she returned to New York City, learned that Duke had been shot in a fight between gangs, and after four months, she decided to start, start her own business and started selling controlled drugs with the help of her new boyfriend, Ed. That is how she became the queen of numbers. We're covering the queen of numbers. Yes. <laughs> I was just saying, like, you, I told you it has a Batman villain twist. It does. Like, her origin is she came to the U.S., her boyfriend tried to pimp her out, and she was like, stab him in the eye of the fork, a gangster. This French woman stabbed him. He was like, no. Took his eye out. I'm like, look at yourself. Do I look like a bitch to you? Threw her on the floor. Walked out. Then got on the bus and was like, I'm getting the fuck out of this city. Then the clan was like, you ain't going nowhere. Burning people. Hanging people. It was like the Inquisition. Like, you in a bad video game with just gore now. Yeah. And then they were like, we're going to rape you. And then she goes back to New York and was like, Oh, shit's about to change. It's like, that is the intro for the hardest core. <laughs> yeah, we're going to oh, it. Okay, sorry, cover, sorry, no, no, sorry, no, listeners. No. I read that and it could not stand. Um, we're going to cover her this season for sure. Um, Johnson was released from prison, or excuse me, Alcatraz prison, in 1963 and greeted with a parade on his return to Harvard. Did they have that Felix the Cat, cat float? I like the yeah. balloon. I mean, I love that film too, but I don't know. I hope they did. They probably didn't. Mm. Mm. Um, in 1965, Bumpy arranged a sit-down strike against a local police station to protest their continued surveillance of his activities. Johnson was charged with refusal to leave the police station, but was later acquitted. That's kind of interesting. I think it's kind of probably because it's not a crime to sit down in the police station. Well, I think it is to sit down and block things that they, they interact with. I mean, with. it's just a seat. Fair point, but... Obstruction I mean, of justice, that's kind of a stretch, I think. Uh, you, you anyway. Can, but the time frame, I mean... Yeah, no, no, it's a bold move. It's a bold yeah. move. I mean, that's bus riot. Nah, I mean, bus boycotts and lunch yep. counter time. So he, he was doing his part. He was doing his he, part. He was. And I feel like he, he didn't get a good... a good um, Right, because of who he is. I mean, that's yeah. kind of one of those things. Some people, who they are overshadows what they do. Mm -hmm. Bumpy definitely falls into that category. Certainly agree. Well, I, I don't know <laughs> if there's anything else to say. 
Save that Loki. <coughs> oh, Shalom's dying here. Um, I'm gonna save his life for him. Just don't give me any booty little soup. <laughs> I gotta find my fumigator. Hold on. Oh, hold up, hold up. No, no, <laughs> no. I got the hose. All right, man. You ready? Oh man, I'm good. Thanks. Oh, okay. I'll put this up there. So you just put that hose back down. All right. We bought this for dumb. Okay. So, what, what what do you have to say about Bumpy? You know, I, I really think that I appreciate being able to discuss Bumpy uh, this season because I feel like Bumpy's whole situation, whole whole uh, enterprise, actually lends itself to the fact that he was an American gangster. He was the epitome of gangsters because not only did, was he able to build his own enterprise, he was also able to transcend into another enterprise and branch out with the Italian mob, you know, the, the syndicate, in a sense. He was accepted by them and was able to continue his reign. Um, the Like we talked about earlier, the article that, that I read, one of the articles I read said that had he expanded outside of Harlem, it would not have been, he wouldn't have been met with good reception. Yeah. But I feel like through, again, through conversation, communication, and education, he may have had a successful opportunity there. Because, like, for Luciano, between him and Lucky Luciano, they they had a, a working relationship. It had he mentioned to him that he's going to expand into a different territory, there might have been discussion about uh, why he didn't want him to move, why Luciano didn't want him to move. But right. I think it ultimately would have come down to uh, it's best for my enterprise to move into this territory and you don't lose anything by me moving into this territory you still continue to profit off of the of the arrangement i mean that's kind of the thing i guess part of, i mean it's a whole big question but part of the situation is how successful was he has to be pretty successful he was incredibly successful because the thing is this if somebody is paying tribute to you and offering you men yeah goes hey you know i like keeping my area and you go yeah but bumpy makes money you kind of failed. Uh, I think they might have been interested in letting Bumpy take over a troubled operation if they knew he could improve profits and industry and all that. Because, that, I mean, isn't that what they care about? Right. And they might have told him, now you can't be over white men or some bullshit like that. But he said, that's cool. I got enough dudes from Harlem to move them out. Mm -hmm. Might have worked. We'll never know. But I'd like to think that there was a way for it to happen. But I just don't see it happening. Well, and I feel like it could have happened with, look, I, I feel like they, they were at the point where they weren't looking at race anymore. They weren't looking at this. And I this hope, I, I, probably not. I mean, I don't know if everyone was like that. That's the issue. No, there's never everyone that's looking like that. Even today, we don't have everyone looking like that. Well, no. The point is, but is that he had moved into a point, he was moving into the point where he was like, you know what, this is what I want to do. And I, I feel like had he expanded, they would have accepted his, his request to expand. Outside of Harlem. But I feel like the fact that he didn't expand outside of Harlem also did something really interesting for him. For him. You know, you see the, the uh, some of the rap videos now and some of the rap music now. And did you sound the, older? I, I know, right? <laughs> Where they talk about somebody who uh, who is is um, for the people, especially music in New York. They, they, they reference Bumpy Johnson. Yeah, so that, yeah. that's what that's what their references, their frame of references. 
one thing that Bumpy did that I think that kind of helped uh, solidify his position in the, in the community was during Thanksgiving, the man would hand out turkeys to people who could not afford turkeys for Thanksgiving. He would pull up a truck with a shit ton of tur- turkeys to pass out and would pass out these turkeys. Not jive turkeys. No, nah, nah, definitely not jive turkeys. Just turkey turkeys. <laughs> well, I think Bumpy has been an interesting ride. I do too. Because we've learned about a man who most people don't know. I mean, that's what we say about everything, yeah. but I think he's probably lesser known than others. Although, no, he's well known. He's part of pop history, I'd say. Uh, the only thing left for us to do is to shout out to people besides ourselves that make the show possible. And I'd like to start off by welcoming Memphis Type History. Memphis Type History is another podcast. Really interesting. Kind of do what we do, but they're different. It's worth a listen, especially if, if you like Memphis. Most certainly worth a listen. They have good barbecue. And they're also on your patron. So that is wonderful. Thank you guys so much. Uh, I listened to your show this week. I really liked it. I'm going to recommend it to some other people. Uh, maybe in the future, maybe next season, if you like Samurais, hang out with us a little bit. Or, you know, we don't know. We, we still don't figure out what we're doing for a Christmas special. Uh, as always, Kate Shaw from the wonderful Strange Animals podcast. Hmm. Uh, that show just keeps getting better. I love that it's tiny little bits. It's well produced. Uh, Kate's a patron, but also we recommend her show quite often anyway. So history or something like it. Uh, Chris in the game over there. Wonderful job. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful job. Another great history podcast if you're into it. And uh, Michael. And Michael from <laughs> TX Files. Uh, if you're into... Anything strange and unusual, check them out. Especially if you're from Texas. They will tell you all the Texas stories you never knew existed. And, as always, Ray Walden Jr. Absolutely, Ray. Ray is our number one patron. Indeed. He is a man who is after our own hearts and after our own teams now that we have our own fantasy football league. Indeed, indeed. He's trying to put us down. He drafted incredibly well. I am not happy about it. You lost week one, Ray. We're we're getting into week two right now. In fact, we have a few minutes still kickoff. But uh, I don't know when I play you. I think it's ways off. I'm playing the team that beat you last week. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to win. So I can't wait to play you on our team. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Absolutely. Uh, I had Dave Johnson and Alan Robinson, so go try to make some trades real quick. Yeah, you should. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, if you want to follow that, you can check out the hashtag, uh, was it Nine Stories Fantasy Football League? So that's NHFFL. It is. That's just the hashtag, isn't it? Hashtag NHFFL. Yeah. You find out. A little bit more about us. But again, I wanted to kind of just take just a moment to say thank you for listening to us. We appreciate the support to all of our from of all of our fans. We will continue to produce the show and put it out there. And we will continue to put content out there that you really want to hear about. We are, you know, we, we are enjoying this. Oh yeah. As much as as much as you're enjoying, hopefully enjoying hearing us deliver this information to you, we're enjoying hearing from you. Uh, if ever we get anything wrong, feel free. Don't feel don't feel threatened to correct us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or any kind of social media that yeah. you're on. At not historians. I mean, if you want to be discreet, send us an email at nothistorians@gmail.com. You can do that, and we can kind of look at it too. Uh, but the point is, this is a show for you guys, and it was an opportunity for two guys who have very limited information or very limited knowledge about history. <laughs> 
or anything else in that <laughs> regard to come together and provide you with information that we've been able to, to gather in in this in this regard. So it's been it's been fun. It will continue to be fun, and we greatly appreciate all of you. It's so true. So thank you guys so much. We hope to see you around. Uh, reach out to us. Absolutely. We, we love to hear from you guys and know what you like, what you don't like. That's how we make the show better. And we're working all kinds of avenues to make more stuff. So in the future, there'll be even more not historian. Indeed. But uh, we'll tell you that next time. Later dates.